Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Hi everyone, it's Pastor Nathan Thanks for listening here today And downloading the podcast I just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up that we had some audio visual problems today and so that means the quality of the audio that we captured is not perfect. I was able to re-record the scripture reading and use a little different recording for my sermon but the first part of the podcast here today is Jeremy's explanation of the prophets and that part skips a little bit so if you're hearing that just know that we did our best to fix it and this is as good as we could get it so it's not your headphones or your audio system it's on us so sorry about that but the rest of it after that should be good so thanks for sticking with us even if it's not perfect and let's get into it this is the prophets i get the fun job of talking about the prophets today I hope you have your seatbelts on because this is going to come really fast because I was given five minutes and I can't do it in five. I do need to admit, though, the prophets are one of those things where I like to think that I have a clue what I'm talking about, but I get so confused and twisted and turned. The prophets themselves aren't in any order. So where they kind of fall in the book is if you're reading through the prophets, um, the kingdom is divided. God's people are split in two the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And we, as people of God, know the outcome of the story. Eventually, they almost get wiped out. So God's people get destroyed, and we're left with these people who warn us, they shout, they tell us all these things. But the prophets begin to kind of tell us this story of God's people. They wrestle with these kind of big questions about what, what does God want for us? And so I'm going to stick to my notes because my notes are much better than my brain. And hopefully, we'll get through some prophets here together. So I want to begin by, prophets are called by God to share a specific message to specific people. So they're calling out something that they're seeing. Prophets live by their emotions, so they see the world very differently. And so they're encountering greed, corruption, calamity, people abusing each other by taking from each other, worship practices that go upside down because... Well, they're not really following any sort of practice. And so the story kind of cycles and goes on. Basically, they're breaking the promise found in God's word in the beginning, that God created us for relationship with God and relationship with one another. So that gets all twisted and turned, and people kind of mess that whole thing up. Like I said, the prophets are out of order, so I'm actually going to try to go through this the best way I can by timeline. So if you're following along in your bulletin, this is how they are in scripture, but that's counter to how they are by date. So you'll see why this gets really confusing. Joel is the first of our prophets, uh, no date or time. Joel begins by saying a plague of locusts. We can all kind of picture that in our brain. A plague of locusts wipes out 
a, a crop. That's the same thing that will happen to God's people if they choose not to turn and follow God's direction. And Jonah, who doesn't love Jonah? The story of Jonah and the whale. Jonah prophesies to the people of Nineveh and says, hey, change your ways, follow God, do these things. And guess what? The people of Nineveh actually listened for once. So far. Hold that, hold that thought. But they, they repent, they turn back to God, and God says, okay, we're going to spare them. And Jonah gets mad, sits under a tree, and pouts. Good prophet, right? Amos and Hosea speak to the northern kingdom. And Amos is one of the oldest known prophets that we have dating on. So we kind of can picture by his story when this falls in time. And Amos says, we should care for our neighbors. Or guess what? If we don't, we're going to come to ruin. But God is loving, and God doesn't want to destroy God's people. So change. Find a way to reach out to one another. Hosea does the crazy thing. He marries a prostitute, right? People of God at that time would say, well, if you marry a prostitute, you should leave her because, well, that's really a bad thing. And she's never going to be faithful to you because that's the history she had. And Hosea uses this word of promise to say, if God is faithful to us, why should God still care for us if we're not faithful to God? So it answers this kind of wrestling big question. Isaiah speaks of a word of hope and destruction and the same thing, but also points to the suffering servant in Christ, that God will bear the sins of the world and points to the Messiah that we hear every Christmas. Micah stresses to the need to be ethical in both the way we practice our religion, no taking advantage of each other, but also the way we interact as people. And he responds by saying, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Nahum, remember Nineveh? Nahum says, change your ways because Nineveh er, fell into the same pattern. And guess what? They didn't this time, and they're destroyed by the Assyrian army. Lamentations is this book written in the midst of being exiled to a foreign land that says, God, where are you? I'm glad you're hanging with me. Malachi points to the time after the temple has been rebuilt when life and God's people have returned to normal. And guess what happens? The same patterns emerge. And people begin to worship gods, and they begin to do poorly, and you can see where the cycle continues. And Malachi ends kind of in a weird note, because at the end of Malachi, we're left with 400 years of silence. We don't have text, we don't have words, we don't have these things that kind of point us to the next until we hit the gospel of Matthew. But that's next week's story. You made it. You've survived. You've gotten through all of the prophets in a very short order. Thank you. A scripture reading from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 16. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. 
The voice of the Lord cries out to the city. It is the sound of wisdom to fear your name. Hear, O tribe and assembly of the city. Can I forgive the treasures of the wicked in the house of the wicked and the scant measure that, that is accursed? Can I tolerate wicked scales and a bag of dishonest weights? Your wealthy are full of violence. Your inhabitants speak lies with tongues of deceit in their mouths. Therefore, I've begun to strike you down, making you desolate because of your sins. You shall eat, but not be satisfied, and there shall be a nine hunger within you. You shall put away, but not save, and what you save I will hand over to the sword. You shall sow, but not reap. You shall tread olives, but not anoint yourselves with oil. You shall tread grapes, but not drink wine. For you have kept the statutes of Omri and all the works of the house of Ahab and have followed their counsels. Therefore I will make you a desolation and your inhabitants an object of hissing. So you shall bear the scorn of my people. Well, did you catch those last words of beautiful promise and hope oh uh, desolation on my people sounds lovely isn't it uh the words of prophets uh, those prophets delivered some pretty harsh messages sometimes uh as they were speaking truth uh it comes sometimes came pretty harsh and it seems like they almost relished in sometimes speaking a harsh word to those religious and political leaders who were abusing their powers and to the wealthy who were taking advantage of the poor they were hard on them. And so it made me think of how much fun those prophets would have had in a week when not one, but two billionaires flew to space for fun, right? Uh, what a crazy thing that we live in a world where billionaires just build spaceships and fly to space. Uh, this week when Jeff Bezos landed, you maybe saw he put on his cowboy hat and had the audacity to say, thanks, Amazon employees, for making my little joy joyride possible. This guy who's kind of like notorious for treating employees poorly, you know, is all of a sudden saying, hey, thanks, this was great, I had a great trip. You know, that's the kinds of things that the prophets called out in the leaders of their day. They said, no, 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 no. You can't take advantage of a bunch of people and then relish in the bounty of it without some consequences at some point. You know, another kind of funny image that came to, across my newsfeed this week was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Any football fans? Uh, the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl this year. First time they uh, had won it, first time. Uh, it was a big historic thing, COVID and everything. And so they got their Super Bowl rings this week. Anyone see them? Anyone care to guess how many diamonds are on each of those Super Bowl rings? 319, 319 diamonds on each ring because there's a reason for it. The, the score was 31 to nine. So of course you gotta put 319 diamonds on your Super Bowl ring then. Of course they were actually, you know, Tom Brady already had six of those rings so they had to make it the biggest and best one uh, so that he would be impressed by it. And with all the gaudiness of it, it actually even has an added feature where you screw off the top and inside is a golden image of the stadium because it's also the first time a team's won the Super Bowl in their home stadium with another big diamond right at the gate where the team would run out onto the field. Just, you know, 
Uh, a ring that is so big that even a professional football player sized person can't wear it without looking silly. You just kind of scratch your head and think, we live in a world where people are going hungry and yet we have billionaires flying to space and Super Bowl rings that have hundreds of diamonds and we think something might be off. And so I think we can all kind of feel like self-righteous prophets pointing at those things and saying, Super Bowl rings, that's crazy. Jeff Bezos, what are you doing flying to space just for fun? And I think it's a helpful reminder to have the old saying, when you're pointing the finger at someone else, there's usually three pointing back at us. And I think we can so easily get self-righteous about these kind of obscene examples of focusing on ourselves that we can lose track of the ways that we sometimes need to hear a truth about the ways that we likewise are selfish and you know our own desires get in the way of caring for each other and others and so uh one kind of funny example i thought of is you know the way that jesus said it as well was he almost kind of made a joke about this and he said you know i don't know why you're so worried about the sliver in your neighbor's eye when you have that plank in your eye i think okay yep there's, there's some fingers pointing back at me yeah, i maybe have some slivers in my eye too and so we pay attention and we think about these truths that we need to hear. Uh, this is going to sound like kind of a random thing, but I promise I'll get to a point. About 12 years ago, I started having heartburn. Oh, I thought, oh, no, I've got heartburn. I you know, get it kind of every once in a while. I was taking Tums, and it wasn't really helping. And so I went to my annual physical, and I talked to my doctor, and I said, oh, I'm getting heartburn. You know, this old age is setting in. My 30s, ah, oh, oh, I need some help, doc. And so he asked me a few questions. He said, do you, do you drink a lot of coffee? And I said, I do drink a lot of coffee. He said, do you, do you like sweets? Do you eat a lot of sweets and stuff? And I said, I do eat a lot of sweets and stuff. He said, you like really rich food? Do you eat food right before you go to bed sometimes? I said, yes, yes, and yes. And he said, me too, here's what I do. I take Zantac 75. Great, I said, okay, what is this? Let me look. And so I went, I took it, and it turned me into Superman. I could eat anything. I could eat a dozen buffalo wings, go to bed, no heartburn. I thought, this is perfect. Thank you. I got my Zantac. I'm good to go. A decade goes by. I'm taking this medicine. Awesome. And then, like a year ago, I go to Target to buy some more of my your magic super pills, and they're gone. Like, there's none on the shelf. And I thought... Well, that's weird. There must be a lot of people eating buffalo wings. They need a little help. And so I you know, waited and went back the next week again. Gone. Not a Zantac to be found. And I thought, what is going on? And so I went to the internet. I Googled, where is my Zantac? And what came up is it's been recalled. Uh, it's been recalled. Zantac, redadendine, however you say the actual name recalled for potentially having trace elements of carcinogens that might be causing cancer. So here, this pill that's given me superpowers of eating bad, unhealthy food for 10 years may have actually been killing me all along. And I think, oh man. And so that set me down a path that I have to find some other solution. And I thought, maybe I should look for something that's not a pill. Maybe I should look for some other kind of home remedy. So I started reading through these home remedies and found some interesting ideas. There was one where if I mixed some baking soda with water and drank that, I thought, 
Doesn't sound great. Uh, there's another one that said, if you sip on apple cider vinegar. I thought, maybe. I thought, well, maybe I'll mix those together and I'll turn myself into a volcano science experiment, right? But so ultimately, I was like, I just don't know about any of these little solutions. I don't, and so then I also realized that every one of those websites I was reading about also kind of mentioned, you know, you could drink less acidic drinks like coffee. You could, uh, you know, eat more fruits and vegetables and less sweets and, you know, goodies and you eat less rich foods, maybe avoid eating a big meal right before bed. All of those pieces of advice were on all of those websites. And so finally, I reached a point where I thought, maybe I should try to drink less coffee and eat fewer sweets and not eat a big meal right before I go to bed, and maybe that'll work. And so I looked for a system that would help me to kind of process a diet, I guess, if you could eat, eat more fruits and vegetables and avoid some of those other things. And God darn it, it worked. <laughs> Wouldn't you know, like, I quit having heartburn. Like, eight months in, like, I don't have heartburn anymore, even though I can't, you know, eat a bunch of wings or something now. Like, it's like my body hit a reset. And did you all know that eating healthier foods makes you healthier? I mean, who knew, right? I mean, who could have ever guessed? Of course, it's a truth we all know. And yet knowing something and hearing something doesn't always mean we'll really listen to it or let it soak in or sink in. And so after a while, I started getting annoyed at how good it was working. And I thought, who were all those doctors doing all those years when they asked me, you taking any medicines at each appointment? I'd say, yeah, you know, I take this for heartburn and whatever. And not once did they say, you know, you got to change your diet. And I thought, wow. So I talked to a doctor friend of mine. And I said to her, I said, well, what's going on? What's up with you doctors? Like, no one ever told me that I could just, you know, change the foods I'm eating. And she said, well, they probably did. And you just didn't listen. I said, oh, she gets me. Uh, she gets me because, yeah, I think back to even that first appointment when he was pointing out all of those things that I was doing that were really causing it. And then she said, but here's the other thing. Nobody, not even doctors, like to tell people what to do and put down the ways they're doing things. I thought, wow, I mean, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I don't like telling people hard truths either. The prophets were a really weird bunch who actually really liked speaking up and speaking truth to power, speaking to the people in religious and political positions of power and saying, hey, you guys are screwing up and you need to fix it for the good of everyone. They weren't afraid to speak to the rich and say, hey, you're taking advantage of people and that's what's making you rich and this can't stand. They weren't afraid to do that, but for most of us, we don't really do that. And if someone does speak truth to us like that, we just say, how rude, and we don't receive it well. So what is the way? How is it that we can receive these truths that we really need to hear? Because we all have truths that we need to hear. How can we open ourselves up to hearing them? The Apostle Paul in the New Testament uh, encourages Christians to speak the truth with love. I like that. That's getting closer. When I think of someone who's different times people have told me hard truths, it has often been someone who I loved and respected. And they said it not in a way like me bashing Jeff Bezos, but rather saying, you know, come on, I care about you. I think you'll be happier in this way. The prophet Micah, who was, you know, all too happy to slam the rich and powerful, 
He also drops some pretty good nuggets of truth that are good whether you are rich or poor or somewhere in between, like Micah 6, 8, where he answers this question, what does God want from us? What does God want for us? And he says, he has told you, O mortals, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's kind of a summary of what the prophets call us to, to do justice, to work to make this world a more just and fair place, to love kindness, to in our everyday lives practice kindness and celebrate when others do too, to walk humbly with our God, to not let our own pride and desires get in the way of caring for the people around us, to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. We all have truths that we need to hear. I don't know exactly what that truth is for you that you're needing to hear, but what I know, what the prophets tell us, is that back in biblical times, God raised up prophets who would speak a truth to the people at the time and the place that they needed to hear it. And I happen to think that God still does that, that God is still raising up prophets in our midst preaching words of truth to us, sometimes maybe through a sermon, but more often through the people who are coming along right beside us, who love us and care about us and speak that truth with love. So let's open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear those words of truth that we need to hear. Let's ask God for guidance in that. Let's pray for God's guidance that we may hear it. In fact, Let's pray right now for that guidance, if we could. Let us pray. Gracious God, we pray that you would open our ears to hear the truths we need to hear. Help us to hear that call to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. Help us to sometimes be the ones who are speaking your truth with love, and help us all day, every day, to be open to hearing the truth you would want us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.